Praise the Lord and welcome to another exciting edition, special edition, I must say, of the voice of resurrection. The voice of resurrection has a secret sauce. What is it? The glory. Resurrection House for All Nations is a place where God can be reached, where God can be experienced, where the glory demonstrates the power and the love of God in the now, where miracles flow, where lives are transformed, where yokes are broken. Hallelujah. Our prayer this week as we share is that you will experience resurrection in your own life. I know you're accustomed to me preaching in every broadcast, but this week we are doing something different because we have a special guest Michael Malden, amen, who was once a pastor for seven years. We've shared yesterday his testimony of salvation and how God called him to worship a man who cannot sing. He's called to lead the worship movement. If you were with us yesterday, what he shared was so life transformational. The worship, hands lifted up, doors open. The glory comes. Hallelujah. Get ready for what God will do in your heart and in your life. The word of resurrection is coming through conversation. Are you ready? So join me and make welcome Michael Malden once again. Hey, thanks for having me again. <laughs> we thank God for you. Round two. Amen. <laughs> uh, and before we get into it, let me read a proof text once again from Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitude, the Bible says, Jesus was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. That is what has happened to the church. We have pastors, but no shepherds because the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I believe that God allowed COVID so that the true church will be made manifest. Leaders ran. People were afraid. People were teaching how to fit under the pandemic. I always talk about this. Uh, um, the faith preacher and, and another pastor were talking, and, and the faith preacher asked the pastor, well, how, how are you, how, how are things going? He said, hmm, under the circumstances, we're doing pretty good. And the guy said, well, what are you doing under there? <laughs> you need to come on out from under the circumstances. You see, we justified unbelief. You know, when COVID hit, we refused to walk by faith and stand in faith. We shut down our churches. There was no difference. The, 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 the clubs and the restaurants and everybody shut down. And the houses of worship shut down too. And people were teaching on how to avoid the contact of COVID, even in the communion. But I celebrate 
to the glory of God, that we heard from God not to shut his house down. And when we obeyed God, hallelujah, God responded and covenanted with me that no one would die in this church of COVID. And we are celebrating it, hallelujah. And when people visit us, we tell them, hey, you can get a hug here. <laughs> There's no COVID. We overcame COVID by the grace of God. I love what one pastor said to me. He said, you know, we have been claiming to be men of God. But COVID came to show who the man of God is. It's not what you claim during peace times that matter. It's what happens. <laughs> he says the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He was willing. Jesus said, when I put you forth, I go before you. The shepherd meets the storm first, the, the enemy first, and defeats him. And then the sheep can come. I tell people, all I have is my faith. I will never give up my faith no matter what. And I've seen God slay giants, bring down mountains, hallelujah, in the COVID year. An African-American church, I know for you Caucasian brothers and sisters, you, you know, you have millions and millions of dollars. But for us, it was, uh, wow, that's heaven come to earth. That in a COVID year, income grew by a million dollars under COVID. And God blessed us with Eagle One that we used to travel around America in 2020, December. Wow. He made sure that that year will not end. He proved his faithfulness and his power. So... I've talked long enough. Once again, Michael, welcome to the Voice of Resurrection. Hey, that was good. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> I want to move into this conversation, how the upper room was started and all that, the power of worship and all, all that you have testified it was really life-changing, and I want the audience to hear it. Yeah. Well, um, a friend of mine um, we, named Michael Miller, he was a singles pastor of a Church of Christ church. In Dallas. And Church of Christ, if you don't know what Church of Christ is, it's very conservative. Yes, they no believe that they're the only ones. Yeah, they're the only ones and they have no instruments. And as a youth minister, he was there preaching and the power of God fell. They started experiencing miracles, deaf ears opening up, speaking in tongues, the whole thing. And the church was kind of like, whoa, what is this? But all these young people are passionate about Jesus, you know? And so it was like this new wine in an old wineskin that just didn't fit. And so he felt called to step out of there. And we started meeting together in, a, uh, in his apartment just to read, pray, seek the Lord. And, and he felt like the Lord was going to open up a fully furnished upper room in the city. He wrote this email. And, but right when he said that to me, we, my wife and I felt called to go back to Houston because that's where I spent my B.C. days. We used to run the streets. And so we moved there for a year. Before Christ, in case yes. you missed it. <laughs> the time when I was building my testimony. <laughs> And uh, you know, I, I made one of those, those famous last words at some point in my life, and I said, I'll never move back to Houston. Mm. And so then the Lord calls us back to Houston, of course, you know. <laughs> you have to know that whenever you say never, you're going to do that, and only God can say never in his times. And I love this never. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Oh, that's good. Glory that's that's a good never. Yeah, so we ended up moving to Houston for about a year, and then... They ended up, Michael Miller, they started, uh, somebody gave them a fully furnished upper room in the city, according to that word. 
And they started meeting. So what is an opera room in the American context? It was it was a second floor of a building that overlooked downtown Dallas. Okay. And so it was a little just it, uh, it was like above a parking lot. You could drive underneath it, so it was a literal upper room. Okay. Praise and God. so they started gathering just to worship and pray. And um, in in the Bible, when you know Jesus told the disciples, "Go find uh, you know you'll find a man with a donkey, pitcher of water in the city. Go make preparations for the Passover feast." So when they this person showed them this fully furnished upper room. It was, it was the weekend right before the Passover in Dallas. And so they decided to start with a Passover meal. And um, they started gathering, worshiping, praying, and power of God sort of showing up. A year into this, I felt after my season in Houston was done, I felt because I was, had my kids down there, and I was like, man, I want to go run with my, my friends, and I want to build a church together. So we moved up there to Dallas, and he basically gave my wife and I you know, charge of the worship and prayer department. And our vision was to go morning, noon, and night, and because that's what David said, I'll cry out to you morning, noon, and night. And so we would just create a place to host the presence of God. And you mentioned the glory of God. So there was a book that we read during that season uh, by a woman named Ruth Ward Heflin called Glory. Yeah. Are you familiar with this book? Mm. Well, not uh, Heflin, but... Yes, yeah, so her book was on glory. And so we, in, in the book, there was a prophecy about an end-time revival beginning in Dallas, but it was all based upon worship, and she had this understanding of worship beginning with uh, thanksgiving and praise, and you praise until uh, the spirit of worship comes, and then worship until the glory comes, and then stand in the glory. And so we just looked at this progression of thanksgiving and praise to worship, and then glory in the presence of God, and so we just kind of modeled our services after that. And, man, we would just see God show up. And it was... We just started growing like crazy, and, you know, we didn't have a website. We didn't have anything, and, um, man, people's lives were getting transformed. There were miracles taking place. Our, uh, our assistant, she, she, was, she had epilepsy. She was healed of epilepsy. A uh, young girl, Jewish girl, um, she had thickest glasses you've ever seen. Her eyesight got healed. Um, I mean, there, I could go through just so many stories of people's lives being physically touched by the presence of God, and so... We just kept growing and just kind of centering around the presence of God, worship. So how did you end up being the pastor? So I, was, I became the executive pastor. So my, my friend Michael Miller was a senior pastor. And, okay. and then as the worship was just growing and we were growing in size, my role just kind of shifted from worship director to executive pastor. And then we, you know, when you're growing, you needed new facilities. I had to find a new facility, that whole process. So did and that for about seven years. Seven and, years, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, felt the call of God to transform culture through the arts. Yeah. Amen. And that's how you got into this uh, super spreader movie? Well, I, I mean, there's a, there's a long version of that. The, okay, sh okay. The, short, the short version is I felt the Lord calling us away from the upper room and just started a film company with a friend of mine in South Georgia. And we desired, our, our model was to put worship at the center of our company. So we would meet every Tuesday morning, worship together as a company, and then do a regional worship night where we would invite people from the area to come just to gather and worship. Because our model was, you know, Tabernacle of David, because David was a ruler of his kingdom in the marketplace, government, but he put worship at the center of his life. His yes. desire was to be in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. He had all the priests in orders. Yeah. And worship was 24. 
Yes. Seven. It was amazing. Yeah. We just we, we didn't feel called to go 24-7, but we understood the power of worship. Yes. And we were like, what does it look like to, to take this into the marketplace? You know. There's something I want to comment on for our audience before we run out of time again. Um, one of the things that I've been sharing is the power of covenant relationships. Because in America, we are very trite with relationships. A comment, a little offense, you cut yourself off from your God-given relationships. I want you to notice how many times Michael has said, friend of mine, a friend of mine, for him to get into the church, it was a friend of his. For him to move into you know, changing the, the culture through the arts and worship, a friend in South Georgia, do you have covenant relationships? I just did a message that has transformed lives here at Resurrection of All Nations about the four men that carried the para paralyzed man to a meeting where the Lord Jesus was ministering. Say, so do you have covenant people? Do you have your own four people mm -hmm. that can carry you when you've been paralyzed, when you've messed things up? People that will not abandon you in your pain and in your suffering. Remember that most prayers are answered by God through relationships. Mm, so good. You must change your attitude to your relationships. This is the, the cancer that has messed up the church. We've thrown away God-ordained relationships. I watch people step away from me over one Mickey Mouse issue or another, and I watch their lives crumble. Some died when I was carrying the grace to turn them around. I talked about one young lady that came behind her parents. She even attempted suicide. But just sitting down talking to me, the demonic force lifted. I didn't even get a chance to pray. An utterance from her caused God to show up. She said, I don't know anyone else who can get this thing off of me that's trying to destroy me but you. Just that testimony, boom, the power of God fell and remove that demonic hold. Yet the parents, with some Mickey Mouse issue, left my church and will not return. And yet, the answer they needed for their family was with me. Do you have covenant relationships? Because that's how God will answer most of your prayers. Remember, I love Luke 6.38. He said, give, and it shall be given unto you. It's Preachers that put money in there. There's no money mentioned. It's a good measure. Press down. Shaking together. And running over. Shall men. Shall men give into your bosom. It's not just money. It's everything you need. I know I've answered so many prayers on earth. By the grace of God upon my life. And that's when this line came to me, glory to God. I said, the greatest thing that can happen to you on this earth is that you will be God's answer to someone's prayers. That's the greatest thing that can happen to you on this earth. May this program transform your life. May you learn to overlook all these Mickey Mouse issues and hold on to your covenant relationships, friends that God brought into your life to make your journey easy, to help you when you can walk, 
when you are broken down, when you need a breakthrough, when you need a miracle, somebody to stay up in the night seasons without you knowing, praying for you. You value those relationships. You will see amazing transformations in 2023. That's why we say this is a year of supernatural breakthroughs, limitless grace. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Blessed be God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I am so full, I don't want to start crying. But that's what this season is all about. God is so eager to move for us. If we will get rid of all these Mickey Mouse stuff and get our relationships flowing, the grace of God will flow. The Bible says Jesus saw the faith of this man that will not give up on this paralyzed friend. They tore up the roof and lowered him and said, son, your sins are forgiven. He was, he's still a son of God, even though he messed up his life. And there was no mention of the man's sins. There was no, you know, Jesus didn't send him to therapy to learn how to walk. He said, your sins be forgiven you. The faith of these covenant brothers caused Jesus to release him of every satanic hold. May he release you from every satanic hold today in Jesus' mighty name. You need to hear that message from the altar at Resurrection House for All Nations as we keep sharing about it. So, Michael, you went to South Georgia? Yeah, I want to I speak into this covenant thing. I think it's really important what yes. you're saying because it, it ties into the story. Um, so Michael Miller was my friend at the upper room. It was, we, were, we were best friends. We built ministry together. We were brothers. And when the Lord called me to step away, it was one of the hardest decisions I've had in my life. And when we separated, we had a sharp disagreement. And it was painful. Because covenant relationships doesn't mean you're not going to have hard, hard times. Yes, you're going to have disagreements. <laughs> it's going to be tested, right? Yes. And so we went, his name is Michael Miller. We moved to South Georgia. I left kind of angry. God had called me away, but I left angry with our relationship. And he was angry too. I moved into this house, this old antebellum home, and it had a name on the house. And it was called the Miller House. And the guy <laughs> that helped us unload our truck's name was Michael Miller. And directly across the street from us was an Anglican church called All Saints. That's the church we used to meet at in, Houston, in Dallas. And so I called him and I go, bro, I can't get away from you. I was like, God's not letting me. I, I leave home to find myself at home. And we still had some issues that we were working through. But I looked in the Bible and I looked at where Paul and Mark, it said they had a sharp yeah, disagreement. sharp disagreement right? over John Mark, Paul and Barnabas, over John Mark. Over John Mark. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it was, uh, so, but at the end of his life, it was over Barnabas, but, but yeah, Mark he, and Paul separated, correct? No, no. Barnabas and Paul separated. Separated. But it was over John Mark because he deserted at some point. Okay. And then later on, uh, Paul says, send me John Mark. Send me John Mark. Because he's profitable for the ministry. Yes. Yes. So one of the things I, I held on to that, I was like, man, they separated for a time. But I was like, God wasn't done with them yet. You yes. know? And so, like, I know some of you guys may have had friends that were... Maybe that you felt like it didn't work out or you felt like you got betrayed or you felt like just it just didn't work out. Well, maybe God's not done with, done with your story yet. Maybe there is a covenant relationship there and, and God wanted to walk you both through a process to learn forgiveness for one because if we, we have to learn to forgive and that we're all going to make mistakes. We're in process. But I think sometimes he allows those things that, for us to go through that so that when we forgive, that bond becomes even stronger than it was before. And so when I... We had those disagreements. We ended up working it out. And when I stepped into this film, the first person to sew into my film was Michael Miller. You see? 
Yes. Had you cut off from that relationship? No. That, that, I, I couldn't make the film. You see? This is what I'm telling people. Yes. Don't throw away your relationship. Don't throw it away. It's so hard. I wanted to throw it away. <laughs> Over but these offenses. Stupid offenses, right? And, but God was like, no, what are you doing? You got to learn to forgive. Forgive your brother, you know? You, 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 you've been forgiven a lot yourself, you know? I've pleaded with people, don't yeah. do it. But the, the temptation, pride, the temptation. The, you just the walk, out, walk into the wilderness and be wandering around. Yeah. Look at all that God has now done. Oh, my gosh. Had you yes. insisted on that offense. Yes. Look in the scriptures. That's what happened to Barnabas. As soon as he separated from Paul, he disappeared from the scriptures. Wow. None of what he did was captured. The Holy Spirit ignored him. Wow. Now all you read is Paul and Silas. Mm. Yet, the, the church consecrated, fasted, and prayed, and the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas for the work I had called him to. But an offense came and split them up. He said the, the contention was very sharp. Wow. And Barnabas left and disappeared into oblivion. And Silas took his place. The Holy Spirit ignored him. Wow. Hey. Wow. I pray that your life will be changed today in Jesus' name. And that God has chosen, you know, Michael's testimony to bring these treasures to life. Yeah. Yeah. The, dream that was, the dream that God put in my heart to make a film, uh, to, to, to make films, was, was fulfilled because of that relationship. You see? If that, if I, if, and the if, enemy man, tried to cut tried it off. To, he tried to cut it off. Man, and so how many, how many relationships are out there that, that got cut off too soon because we weren't willing to walk, to live with the pain? I had to live with the pain of that for about two years. You know, that I sat with it every night and then wanting to just trying to forgive, trying to forgive, trying to forgive and walk through it. And then eventually he brought us together where we were both able to really share our hearts in an open way and reconcile. And he's about to come to my house tomorrow. Hallelujah. He's flying in. <laughs> yeah. Bless the Lord. Yeah. And look at all that heaven has gotten done, all the lives. Yeah. I mean, we went, came and watched the Super Spreader movie. If you haven't seen it, I know it's probably not in theaters now, but... It's at superspreaderfilm.com. You can watch it online. Oh, so you can yeah. watch it online. And I understand that even churches can still host it. Yeah, they can host it. And well. then, you know, collect the ticket money and send in and all of that. Yeah, or just give a donation or just whatever, however you feel led. I mean, we will get into the details of that Super Spreader movie, and as I said, and we'll talk about the Glory for USA. We believe that at some point it will be a movie also so that, you can, America can see what God is doing. God is changing America one capital at a time. We're investing so much money and resources in getting it done. But we are so excited because we are effecting the power of the kingdom of God on the earth right now. God said to me, this is how I'm going to take America back. And no one will know what happened. Hopefully, before the week is I will talk about supernatural unctions. We start telling you testimonies of the decrees we have made by supernatural unctions and how God has responded and is responding even right now as we speak. Well, Michael, we have about two minutes left. Can we start the journey on how, you know, from worship to the super spreader movie? You know, no COVID happened and 
And, yeah. you, and you guys, just like us, Sir John Don, come on, let's start the conversation. We'll, we'll continue tomorrow. Yeah, so we, we moved down to South Georgia to build our film company. COVID hits, so all, all of our investor money dries up. And we were in a transition, shifting our company from South Georgia to Atlanta. Our house wasn't ready yet, so I went to visit my family down in Tampa. And we're in the, it's in the middle of COVID, high lockdown, stay six feet apart, don't touch, all this kind of stuff. And a friend of mine named Sean Foyt had started this movement called Let Us Worship because he was in California. He was a, uh, he had just ran for Congress out there, lost his race. Lost, yes. And right after that, Governor Newsom shuts down the city and shuts down the state and says, uh, bars and strip clubs can stay open, but churches are not essential. You can have to close down. Imagine. And they said, but then he said, you're not allowed to sing. Sing. So how are you going to worship without singing? How are you going to worship without singing? And a buddy of mine who's Sean Foyt, he had brought, part of his mission was to bring worship to the darkest parts of the world where it's illegal to worship, whether it's North Korea or parts of Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, wherever it is. And so he was like, well, if we can't do that, he's like, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to do that there. This is America. We're, this is, we're supposed to be free to worship. Exactly. So he started a movement called Let Us Worship. He started on the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, 400 people showed up. And one of the things that took place that there was all these police there. And this was during COVID. This was during COVID, but the police were there on suicide patrol because so many people were committing suicide because of the lockdowns. And they do this worship event. It kind of goes viral and starts spreading all across the nation. Praise God. This is a, uh, such an exciting story, an exciting program, beloved. I trust that God has transformed your life, particularly about the trifling way you have handled relationships in your life. I'm encouraging you today not just to call the prayer line to get right, yeah. but call that friend. Yeah. Take that step of faith. One of the covenants that God gave me is to keep your mouth shut, humble yourself, and take the wrong. Mm -hmm. I went through such hey, gut-wrenching experiences, transitioning from the ministry where I served for 20 years as an associate pastor into this ministry. Very, very painful transition. No support, no money, no nothing. All kinds of horrible things happen. And God said, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be blessed? That's the question you have to answer in your life. Wow. Do you want to be right? You want to win that argument. You want to prove that your friend is wrong. But that's all you're going to have. Or if you want to be blessed, God said to me, then keep your mouth shut. Humble yourself and take the wrong. That's the key to the blessing across the board. I keep telling people, do you know that Jesus took the wrong to be able to die for you and die for me? If he had pressed his right, he would have killed off all his uh, persecutors if he used his power. He said, no man taking my life from me. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. I know I'm way over time, but listen, beloved, listen. He could not find any reason, any way to forgive the people crucifying him. Finally, he got it. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
But when Satan is messing with you, he will convince you that your friend knows what they're doing. They did it deliberately. They're wicked. They're this. And you cut yourself off. Look now, it took him two years to pray through that offense. But he never disconnected from the relationship. And we will get into all the blessing that came out of it tomorrow. We love you, beloved. Make that phone call today. Put your seed in the ground. These programs are so exciting and so amazing. God bless you. Receive grace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.